to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Saplin. How's it going, man? Ben, so good to have you back. Um, shout out to Gavin for last week's appearance. And I think there's this curse with these guest hosts like Mara, like uh, Gavin, where you know they do well. Um, but I, for whatever reason, can't seem to record into my own microphone, which is right in front of my face. And it's tough. It's a tough look for my end. So I apologize for uh, last week. I think we got it all figured out this week. Uh, and Ben, you keep saying that my audio is great. So I have no worries about it this week, I hope. Yeah, you see, I, I've listened to you for so many hours at this point that I know when something's <laughs> up, whereas others are not as blessed to have spent this many hours speaking with you. Blessed is a great word. I really like that. That was a very good description. Um, but you know what we are blessed about? See, what a great transition like by me. Well, yeah, we are blessed to have so many awesome listeners who are leaving ratings and reviews. We are up to plus three on Apple Podcasts to 44 and up, I think, just plus one on Spotify. Still solid. Great numbers. Like back to back to back weeks. I will be very happy about that. Um, so shout out to everyone thank you makes a difference keep leaving those ratings and reviews it helps that off-season bump man i i mean we put out a lot of good work during the year and i'm very proud of it but i think we we both have a special spot in our hearts for the off-season and it seems like the listeners do as well and the readers i'll tell you man everyone on the site if you're a subscriber you're probably pretty happy with some of the content that you're getting right now um and it shows in our numbers. And I just want to say thank you. Um, keep it up. Keep spreading the word. Remember, the more that you spread the word, the more we can build, the more we could offer you. And, um, you know, and actually, I'll even kind of go off off topic here. Uh, I, I do want to say um, that I have left Mile Split. Um, shout out to Mile Split. I will be leaving Mile Split at the end of this month uh, of August. So um, super thankful for them. Corey Mall. A uh, fantastic editor, fantastic mentor. He mentored me through a lot of things. Hopefully, still be in, staying uh, in touch with him. And I just want to say, Flow Sports, Mile Split treated me extremely, extremely well. I'm extremely happy with my time there. They were awesome. Um, that move does come with uh, motivation, which will be announced, you know, in the coming weeks, which we're really excited about. So stay tuned for that. Um, I think a lot of people can put two and two together about what that means. But Ben. In the meantime, uh, let's get into the podcast. All right. Yeah. I, I like leaving everybody on a little bit of a cliffhanger uh, to yeah. start the podcast. It's a, uh, we kind of did that two weeks ago, too, with uh, some transfer news that we almost literally broke as you heard it. <laughs> right. um, but let's move on to another bit of news that you broke that really just stole the headlines. I, I th- We were definitely the first one to this news. It was a surprising move. Uh, I don't think we had really heard any any rumblings about this. And that, of course, is Pete Watson leaving Texas to go be the director of track and field and cross country at Boston College University. Just the craziest move ever. You would have told like the last guy I would have picked for that role. But I mean, this like this is the summer we're seeing Ryan Van Hoy do that at Cal Poly. Um, you know, we're seeing a, a whole bunch of different names, obviously Schumacher to Oregon and Petros Kiprian to Illinois, but this, this is probably up there, which is probably the top three alongside, I think, Oregon and, um, Van maybe Hoy, Cal Poly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd say that. So 
huge move. I couldn't believe the text when someone texted me. He's like, hey, is this on your radar? I was like, oh, it's about to be. Um, took some time. T- took a few hours, but we actually confirmed it pretty quickly, and I'm surprised we got it as quick as we did. So um, just what was your thoughts like when, when we're talking and I say, hey, this is happening? Yeah, you, you messaged that something was happening, and then I saw the tweet, and I was just – I was floored because – I, I just, like you said, it wasn't expecting him to leave Texas. It, it seemed like he had settled in a really great spot for him. He wasn't director, but he was in charge of the cross-country team for a, a major powerhouse university that is always going to make NCAAs almost no matter what. And to go to Boston College, which uh, is a, obviously a step down in terms of program, but he gets the opportunity to lead it himself as the director i mean like you were saying this really seems like the summer of these really good distance coaches deciding this is the time for them to become directors whether it's at the level of a program that they were at before it doesn't matter as much as long as they have that director title and here's the thing boston college at least as of right now for the men's side i don't think they have scholarships I'm actually pretty confident that they don't. If they do, be part of the package. You you would imagine he can't go without having that promise. And I think that's part of the promise. I think there's no way he takes that job unless um, you know they they get scholarships. To how many scholarships, I don't know. But Boston College can't go hire one of the most successful distance coaches in the country and then just say work with nothing in one of the deepest conferences in the nation. There's just no way. Um, so to what extent those scholarships are, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm sure the women are getting some, but I don't know how many scholarships those women are getting. Because I'll be honest, if, if it's a maxed out program on the women's side, which I, I wouldn't think it is, I wouldn't, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But if it is, you would think Boston College would be a little more competitive, a little bit. Um, but all of a sudden, Boston College is now a really desirable place, like all like out of nowhere. So, so I have two thoughts. One, just something to keep, like, I'll, I'll be fascinated to watch over the next two years. A nice little subplot will be to see how well-funded Boston College and Cal Poly are over the next few years. Because obviously, Van Hoy and Watson leaving, you, we would assume that there is a promise of additional funding. To what level? I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of recruits, what kind of transfers those programs get. And I think that'll be an interesting to, thing to watch for a little bit the second second thought is more of a question is his stock now when he when he was at texas finishing up his time at texas was it higher is it higher now or was it higher when he was leaving virginia for this texas job great question um i'm going to go back to the first one real quick about the resources and the promises um i actually as i'm finishing up my time with miles split I'm preparing a feature with Van Hoy, and I just t- spoke with him actually for about 45 minutes to an hour. Great dude, just a phenomenal human being, awesome guy. And, um, and not that it's necessarily secret, but all I can say is that he he did say that, hey, listen, there, there's actual investment happening in Cal Poly. Um, it, it, a variety of areas, coaching staff, a little bit in scholarships, you know, um, you know, sponsorship opportunities and just in terms of like how many athletes and right. what sports are being offered. So they're, they're definitely looking towards future investment sooner rather than later. And it's, it's actually really encouraging is undeniably right now that 
P. Watson stock was higher just now than at Virginia. I mean, this guy was the high, I think he won best distance coach for the indoor 2022 indoor track season by the Strat report by us. I mean, that's basically us voting on it. Um, he was almost unanimous, except I think you put Van Hoy, which is a hilarious dynamic right now. Yeah, I think I did. I, I think that's <laughs> right. That, that sounds is, like me. Contrarian. <laughs> which is, I, no, so I said, listen, if you're going to choose anyone else, it, it might as well have been Van Hoy. I, so I actually don't, I didn't totally hate it. I still thought Watson was the better pick for that season. Um, he, I mean, Boston College, smart to get him now. Watson smart to cash in now is smart for both sides. And that's what I'm, I'm thinking. I think for Watson, he hasn't the, the success on the track really came this year in a big way. We haven't seen it on the grass to a great level. And, and I, I think capitalizing after that great of a track season, I, I don't think that they were going to build on that this fall um especially with losing uh abdallah to tennessee so i i think going now i think boston college i i it's hard for that me to see them becoming a great cross-country program but i do see them almost instantly becoming very relevant on the indoor and outdoor scene so i couldn't disagree more oh um, okay here we go i i could not disagree more uh when pete watson came in their highest finish at the national meet was like 24. I don't know. They placed like 27th. Right. And then the next year they were 26 and then they were, I think that they didn't qualify because of the winter national meet focused on indoor track, right? Whatever. And then um, they were 14th at the national meet this past year. So for me, 14th and and their highest finish previously, I think was 13th back in like what, 2013 or I don't Mm -hmm. know. I I don't, it's something along those lines. I think Watson was actually sneaky good um, in terms of cross country development. And I already liked Herbster at Texas. I thought Herbster actually did a fine job. I think he he built up a lot of the recruiting base there, but Watson really brought it all home on the grass. So I disagree. I actually think Boston college could be pretty good on the grass. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think Texas is such a unique place where, you, like I said, you're guaranteed almost a qualification to NCAA's due to their region, and you can, and that's what, and you can build basically your entire training, your schedule around NCAA's in a way that a lot of other programs of that tier can't, and he's not going to be able to do that at Boston College in quite the same way. Um, but I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I mean, 14th, huge accomplishment for that year. I, I just, I I wonder if that's more of a one-off than the normal 25th. And and I don't know if that kind of level program at Boston college is consistently qualifying. Um, I think we would have to wait to see what the scholarship structure is his recruiting. Cause I mean, cause the recruits he's bringing in are phenomenal and, Boston College, elite, elite academic university, great recruiting grounds at the northeastern area. Um, one last note before we move on. Yasin Abdallah, transferred to Tennessee. Yeah. Brendan Hubert, not a grad transfer. He transferred to UCLA, recently just announced transfer to UCLA. A, does anyone follow him? B, a coincidence? 
I mean, it just seemed like because Abdallah's move, it was like, whoa, I that's really surprising. I didn't expect to see that, right? Like, maybe there was a hint that this was coming. Maybe this is like, hey, like, I'm looking at this. Prepare yourselves. I, this is all speculation. I have yeah. no idea. I just find it surprising. Yeah, I, I mean, I, maybe maybe the writing was on the wall a little bit, or they were just ready for a new change, and it just coincidentally lined up with Watson doing the same thing. You could go in a lot of different directions, but it's all conjecture because we have no idea. Yeah, oh, no idea. I'm just, I just found it like, wow, it's a, it's a little surprising. I don't. No, regardless, I think everyone ended up in a really good situation. Like Texas men are still going to be good. Abdallah's going to be part of something fun at Tennessee. Uh, Hebert gets to work with Brosnan at UCLA. Something new and fun and exciting there. And Pete Watson could revolutionize in a BC program that has been at the absolute bottom of the ACC for the past X years. So I think it's a win-win for everyone all around, which I don't think I always say, but who knows? Yeah, I, I I am very excited to see what he can do with Boston College, which I think we've been hinting at, but is a little bit of a sleeping giant, depending on if they can get their funding sorted out. And, and I think they have every opportunity to rise up the ACC and be a, a true contender. Right. So, all right. Uh, Rankings. Let's talk about them. Do we want to go all men, 18 through 13, or do we want to go women first or alternate? What do we want to do? Well, I I wrote a a good portion of both the men and women, so I'll let you decide whatever you're most comfortable with going back and forth, men and women, whoever it is. Let's let's alternate, and and we can start, start at 18 and start with the men, Texas, where Watson is leaving. Uh, obviously we didn't really know about this as we were writing these rankings. Um, so this obviously could be in a little bit of flux, but they land at 18 because of the infrastructure that Watson leaves behind. Um, you have half tonight, Roger Rivera, Cruz Gomez, um, among a lot of other strong names. I, the Abdallah loss, like we said, is so killer like that he was that low stick that really could have elevated them into the top 15 again this year. But without him, it's hard to see how they better last year's performance. It'll be tough. Um, I don't think it's impossible. I think it's unlikely. Um, I think they they have a, yeah, I think I'm going to say this about pretty much every team. <laughs> eh, maybe, but I, I think Texas, it's like, listen, half two nights really good. Like he's mm-hmm. he's due for an all-American performance. Cruz Gomez is, has improved since last fall. Creighton Carosa was like 43rd at pre-nationals, yeah. which is a pretty solid result. Like we for seem an to predict that meter runner, nonetheless, too. Yeah, like 800 meter miler kind of guy. That's really solid. Um, you know, they got a bunch of returners. There's another guy who I'm completely blanking. Oh, Roger Rivera was yep. outstanding, 1341, I think. So there's pieces, and this recruiting class really good. They've got a lot of guys behind them, and they've got some you know guys who are great in the steeplechase, great in the 10K, or running sub 29 there, who weren't even you know scorers last year. I think there's enough. Like they've got four guys, and then all they need to do is just rely on guys who have shown plenty of promise just to fill the uh, the fifth spot. I think they're going to be pretty good. I would have liked to rank them a little higher than 18, but I don't know if we could have argued them higher than 18. 
Yeah, I, I just I think they're going to be solid. Like, I, I mean, they're going to qualify and I, I don't think they're going to be spectacular. And I think I probably am going to say that about almost all of the, these teams as well. But I, I think they're just going they have enough depth, enough talent who have been to NCAAs, have run around the NCAA circuit for a while that I, I think they're just I, I think the range is somewhere like between 15 and like 24 like they're they're going to be just in the middle almost and i would be stunned to see them swing one way or the other dramatically yeah i I like their youngsters like isaac alonzo was good they bring in jackson braddock who could be really good um they got some like emmanuel segurus i I don't even know if i'm saying that correctly ran like 848 846 maybe for 3200 meters or even the two mile which is a super 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 quick time um, so yeah, I, I like this team. Like, I don't, I, 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 they, something really tough has to happen on the back end for this team to fall apart. Um, so I agree. I don't know if they're getting much higher than last year's finish. I don't think it's impossible, but I, I think we did rank them fairly. Yeah. And I think the youngsters are the opportunity where they could right. outperform expectations because I, like you said, they come in with great pre- pedigree, but it, it'll just it'd be interesting to see how quickly they can translate that pedigree into actual good results at the NCAA level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's pretty much the story about them. Um, I like them a lot. Like I think it's a really fun team. Um, I just don't know if there's anything, anything more to say about Texas. Right. Um, let's go to number 18 on the women's side. And that is Colorado state who return a lot of, very solid runners who are coming off a really good track season. Um, you have Annabelle Stafford, Ashlyn Hilliard, Claudia Burgess, Anna Petcher, uh, Tom Sula Martin. I, I mean, just maybe not a ton of low sticks on this squad, but boy, do they have a lot of depth and strong performers on this team. So I was talking to you beforehand and I was saying, Ben, I, I think we robbed them of a few spots. Um, they lose one runner, they lose like their sixth or seventh, so they don't really have like a ton of like options just based on last year's returners. But you look at what they did on the track. You were even saying, like, wow, it seems like everyone ran under 1615. TSR 18 was probably robbery. Um, we probably robbed them. And I think they're probably closer to 1516. Um, I don't know if that really makes it that much of a dramatic difference. Tons of depth, tons of potential. I don't know who their low sticks are going to be. Their front runners like Tom Sula Barton and Annabelle Stafford are great, but can they be elite? Can they be all Americans? I think that's the biggest question. If they can, we're looking at a really scary team, like a really scary team. Um, I think we uh, underwrite them at 18. Yeah. I mean, I think it all comes down to how well they're able to translate that track success from this year to the grass, because like you said, they were solid uh, on the grass and, and finished at what was it 17th at ncaa's last year right. i i mean they they have the experience they've run decently at the ncaa level before but i i think they took a, a nice step forward on the track i mean so many women under 16 20 16 30 um some women under 34 minutes in the 10k i i mean there's just a lot of things to like from their this last spring that if they can continue that step forward and, and translate it to the grass, I mean, this is a team where I don't think it's unrealistic to say 
you could have their entire top five somewhere between 50 and 100. Like, I, I think that's doable. That's a really good point. Like, e- even if they just put it through that, like, that's a really good team. That's like a borderline top 10 team now that you actually say it out loud. Like, I'm like trying to quickly do the math in my head, but that's a like a scary good squad. Yeah, it's like under 400 points. I mean, that's that's excellent. Actually, wow, that would be crazy good. Hold on. I'm like, I'm going to do some like very quick rough numbers here as I'm like looking at what everyone else like ran. Yeah. Like if you're looking at like, like Stanford, like in the terms of team point scoring, the Stanford women went 12, 40, 47, 52, 82, which got them six. And that was just in the, that was just in the team point scoring. And I don't know. Now I don't say this. I I don't know if they're going to have five in the top. 100 i could see them putting five anywhere from 70 to 120 so basically five in the top 100 in terms of team points though yeah yeah um which is actually still scary wow i'm having this realization that we severely underranked them <laughs> um yeah you gotta well, just... make these calls here i i just throw throw random random stuff in there every once in a while all right keep Keep waxing poetic because now I'm like sulking a little bit about how how unfairly we un- we rank them. I mean, here's your, the thing: in your defense, they don't have like that guaranteed low stick, someone that like can you can really have that can prevent any bad days from other people from from being over magnified. Correct, but I still think that the you know the floor, as we keep saying here, the floor is so high. I just don't see where this team's going to falter. I don't know how they have a bad day. Now, granted, they also lost to Utah State, which is a, a good team. Like, they were nationally qualified. They're ranked 23rd this year in our rankings. They're a good team. But I was surprised that they lost to Utah State in a smaller field. Nationals is a bigger field. This lineup favors that field. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's the only like critique I have, that and the lack of firepower. But if you know, having Tom Sula Martin and maybe Annabelle Stafford is like your best front runners. That's not bad. Those are good runners. They're experienced runners. Those are great. So I, I don't have that many gripes to pick with. Uh, like how, how, how different are they from Portland on the men's side? Like it, they're not. And that, and that's why I think we underrated them a lot. Yeah. And I, I think that's ultimately where, and I mean, it's not like we had Portland that much further ahead of them. We had four spots ahead, but I, I think they're very equivalent teams. Yeah, I, that's a really good comparison. I would agree. So, all right, 17, who do you want next? Ole Miss uh, or Harvard? Let's go Harvard. So the Harvard men, uh, I think, come in with probably the best duo out of, well, maybe outside of Al- Alabama, but one of the best duos out of this mix uh, of teams. They have Graham Blanks, Acer Iverson, and then it's a little bit more of a question mark. They got David Melville. Uh, ben Hart Vigason, uh, Joe Ewing, a few other guys. It, I think we wanted to put them a little bit higher, but there was a little bit of that unknown in the back. Not just one or two scores, but three where you, you don't feel as comfortable as you'd like to be able to put them in the top 15. I really like Graham Blanks. I really like Acer Iverson, but they can only carry the team score for so long. And we saw that last year. Um, I think those guys would both be all Americans, but yes, that back end's got to improve. They bring in a three thirty eight guy from Ooh. Luxembourg, yeah, who's excellent. No idea how he's going to translate. 
his cross-country success, though. Um, we've seen guys who are great 1,500-meter runners, can't do anything on the grass. Not saying that's the case for him. We just don't know. And then the one guy, I think it's Shane Brosnan, who is a very confusing name to have with Sean Brosnan, but I don't think they're related. I think it's Shane Brosnan. Um, stud in high school. I think he was like a top national finisher at both East Bay and Garmin Running Lane last year, a week apart, both national uh, championship meets. There are pieces there. Like this can be a good team. And really, honestly, as long as Iverson and Blanks just run to their All-American caliber, the back end of this lineup, you just got to get out of the into the top 200, which is yeah. easier said than done, maybe. I don't know if it's that crazy, but it's – I don't know. Uh, this team like has like a decent ceiling, but just as high as their ceiling is, their floor is just as, as low. Yeah, and I mean, they've developed guys well. Obviously, Blanks and Iverson are great examples of that, where they, they came into the program, developed very quickly. And, and so I don't think it's a stretch to say that one or two new guys could come in and really give them a lift. Because as we're saying, if they could just have one or two guys pop, like all of a sudden you have a, a pretty potent top three, top four that can compete with kind of the Alabamas of the world and be a little bit further up in their finish at NCAAs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's so tough, right? Because they, they actually ran pretty well last year at the, at the yeah. national meet. I forget what exactly where they finished, but they ran really well. And, but if you look at that season as a whole, they weren't that, like they weren't amazing. They, they were okay. They were fine, but they weren't great. And so now I want to like, okay, well, what version do we see? And like you said, we want to rank them higher. I think they have enough pieces to be properly ranked at 17. It is kind of a, hey, show us that you're okay without Pereira. Yeah. If they can do that, then I'm not really concerned about this team at all, uh, especially because I don't think the Northeast region is going to be even that good this year. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about that before, too. Uh, let's move on to the women's side. Ole Miss, boy, Ole Miss, just the Cintea Visa news just hit like a load of bricks. I mean, they're already losing Anna Elkin. Cleo's and Jocks was out the door as well. And for Visa, who is going to be their number one, to also be leaving, it's just going to be a, a much more difficult season for the rep, uh, women rebels, but they still do uh, bring back some solid names: Skyler Bogard, uh, Helmers, Win, uh, Vandenberg, and they bring in Lauren DeBorda from Eastern Kentucky um, and Jocelyn Long from Notre Dame. So I, I mean, they bring in some solid names. DeBorda in particular, I'm really interested to see after her really strong um, track season on the steeplechase. But it's there's a lot more question marks with this team than there was before. So I, I just want to go on a quick side tangent. I, we got some we got some people chirping and messaging us like, "I told you that Visa was going pro." Listen, do you, do you think that like we're able to break all this news and we don't have a suspicion that like maybe she's going pro too? Trust me, we're well aware. But I'm not going to say that she's not on the team when until she's not on the team, right? Right. We have to cons like. I think people think like, like, oh, well, you should have listened. It's like, well, we, like I'm not going to say someone's not on the team until it's not, not official. Anyways, I, it's just, 
Like, <laughs> tell us your sources, and then then we'll we'll back it up. Yeah, yeah. Then we'll go out. Like until until you can a hundred percent like define and say that this is absolutely happening. I have to go and act as otherwise. I don't want to hear it. Is all I'm saying. Anyways, Lisa, uh, that loss sticks. Uh, it it we it was always a possibility, but then actually seeing it. Yeah. Um, and in fact, actually, it was literally happening as I was talking with Van Hoy. Just what perfect timing. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's it's just one of those situations where, like, there's. I will say this: we had them ranked a little higher, but I think where we put them wasn't too bad. I still would have probably liked to put them at like 19 maybe, but they've got some, they got some names. Everyone needs to run and needs to have their best performance though, much more consistently. Like everyone was a very scattered score. Everyone was like all over in and out of the lineup. Right. But if everyone races to their full potential on the same day, then this is a really good team. Now someone also tripped at us. was like, well, you could say that about any team. Mm. Yeah, but guess what? All this didn't show that. Like, it, it, some teams have shown it, some teams haven't. Old Miss showed us pretty much at the national meet last year. Actually, I don't even think their top five were super complete. They were good through four. They got by with their number five. I think the potential of this team is actually closer to a 12, 13, 14 team, but trying to find another low stick, trying to make sure everyone runs well on the same day trying to ensure that their back end can be supported by Taborda. By, uh, Taborda will probably be one of their better runners. By Long, by Beth Ahrens, by the new you know international recruits. That'll be the question with this team. Yeah, and I Skylar Bogard had a, had a pretty good track season. She did not run well at NCAAs last year. You would expect to get more out of her. I, I like Crystal Vandenberg. I think she had a really strong uh, steeplechase performances this last uh spring along with Taborda I think both of those two are going to be really important to determine what level Ole Miss can get on I like you it, it's just the the consistency is not there I, I you just you see the potential you see glimpses but you don't see it enough to feel confident about them finishing top 15 much less top 20 I mean they they, I, I feel like we landed at 17 because there is the possibility of top 15 if things go well, but there's also a possibility of 25th and, and trying to figure out where in the middle of that range they should fit is, is a difficult conversation. They have a lot of pieces. It's just a matter of can they figure out what the picture is and be able to put it all together by the national meet? I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I don't know the answer to that. We'll see. Um like I, I think this team can be good. I'm just not sure if we'll see it. And people are like, oh, well, you know, they're a top 10 team last year at the National Mate. Well, sure, but they lose their one, they're like two or three. And then like the, like Ozan Jacques was, I think, occasionally a score depending on the meet. So that's a lot. That's a lot, a lot, a lot. Like trying to say that they're going to be a 10th best team in the country again is a challenge. That said, these women have all shown on one occasion or another, that they can be high-impact contributors in scores. Maybe not all on the same day, but they can be. And for me, that's good enough. I'll take that. Yeah, and I mean, we should note that Ryan Helmers was 71st last year. I mean, she should be a solid low stick for them. Not Nothing crazy, but she should be. She has All-American or fringe All-American potential. And I think, like, but like you said, 
losing one, three, and four from NCAAs last year is, is going to be a tough hurdle to overcome. Ready to move on to 16th? Let's do it. All right. The North Carolina men, they bring back their front runner, Parker Wolf. They have Patrick Anderson, Will Coogan. They bring in uh, Ben Fleming from Virginia Tech, and then they got a, a solid amount of depth uh, behind that group. What are what were your immediate thoughts? I mean, because I think I had North Carolina too low initially when I ranked them, but when you started really digging in, what what was the thing that popped out with the Tar Heels this year? So real quick, I should note um, they're also bringing in Connor Lane. That's right. He's from thirteen forty two from five K guy from Stanford has pretty much zero results in the past two or three years. No idea why. I was um, so excited. I I almost remember like two years writing like the Stanford preview article and being so excited about him for the like two for like what is it, 2019, 2020, whatever. 2019, 2019 yeah. season and it just never happened. Yeah. Well, did we rank Stanford one that year? I think that might have been the year. <laughs> Anyways. Um it's such a cool team. I have no idea if anyone's going to deliver. This could be like, I mean, I don't think I have, we have ever ranked a team this low and have thought that they could finish so high. I think their ceiling is like seventh at the national meet. Ooh. I, wow. I, they are so good. Cause here's the thing. John Tatter was, yeah. was like, I forget what happened. He was like 10th, at um, Paul Short, which is pretty good, he was uh, their third score at Nutty Comb and then just didn't race that well for the rest of the season to the postseason. Everyone's so young. They had all these superstar high schoolers from the year before, like Judson Greer, who basically didn't race at all or were redshirted. Patrick Anderson was phenomenal. Fleming gives them depth. Lane could be really good. Wolf is like still has room to improve in the scoring on his end as a low stick. I I struggle to see this team not being really good. There are significant challenges. There's still an experience. There were pretty major gaps in this lineup last year. Um, they lose their number two in Jack Aho, who was so darn reliable throughout all of last year. You really got to bank on a lot of these things happening, but they, got, they were so good on the track. I mean, Tatter ran 1340 for 5K. Coogan ran 1356. Jesse Hunt ran 339. Williamson ran 847 for the steeple. Strand was a 401 miler. I struggle to see how this team just isn't really good, but they have to prove it first. Yeah, I, they're, they're the ultimate, I think, on the men's side of does the track results translate to the grass? Because if it does, like guys like Connor Lane, who we mentioned, you guys uh and, and like Ben Fleming even if he if those track performances can have have that same equivalent on the grass they're going to be amazing but you just each of these guys have a question mark next to their name when it comes to cross country and the the potential and the talent is clearly there i just i i don't know if i am quite as high on them in terms of potential in cross country just because we we haven't seen it really come to fruition yet yeah i'll admit their regular season pretty much leading through accs into the regional meets and national meet wasn't that great and that's a thing it's like you can argue on their potential all day long 
But when you tell me that this team's still really young, they lose their reliable number two, which is the only guy bridging some gaps in that lineup. Yep. And you tell me that their absolute best finish from last year was 18th at the national meet. I think that kind of counterbalances all of that upside, all of that potential a little bit. And that's why it's fair to place them at 16 on paper and strictly by like, you know, bouncing the pros and cons. I think we got it right, but I, I, I find it hard to believe that they won't be higher just because this, like this team has to be like, they will be better. I'm convinced of it. Actually, <laughs> I've actually never felt so. Uh, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to be better at the national meet, but I feel confident that they're going to be a top 15 team throughout the entirety of the season. I was about to say, I, I, I kind of like to make a, a bet on that over under 18th at, at nationals for them. I, I think you feel pretty strongly that they'll, they'll be under. I, I definitely do not. You, you think that they would finish worse than last year. I mean, I I don't think there. I don't, I'm not saying like there's an overwhelming chance, but I think there. It's closer to maybe fifty fifty than than I think you're probably thinking. I completely disagree. That's I I think I just I'm wondering what's wrong with you right now. This is so crazy. <laughs> like you're usually so measured in your approaches, and you even convinced me, you know, about like just how good Alabama was, and I was like, man, you're right. Um, so yeah, um, you're usually so well measured. I'm just a little disappointed. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying like I think. I think you're right too. That 16th is the right spot for them. But I, I think when you're that close to 18th in our rankings, it's it wouldn't be stunning to see them come 20th, right? Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you this. I think just as high as I think their ceiling is, I think their floor is like 80 percent of that. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I mean, I, I think I, I don't disagree with that too much. All right. Let's move on. I, I, I think we're, we might be differing a little bit. Let's go to the Northern Arizona women uh, who bring back frontrunner Taryn O'Neill. They have Bryn Morley and Nico Rice, uh, Elise Stearns. Um, they, they do lose a little bit, uh, but not not much from their lineup that actually ran last fall. Um, some solid performances on the track. Uh, Elise Stearns was 1555. Uh, Rice, uh, Reese was 1606. I, 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 they have the talent at least in the front, front few three or four runners, but I, I wonder how well they'll be able to supplement that with the rest of their depth. I, I don't know if I like this team that much. I really like Taryn O'Neill. I think O'Neill is so good. Um, I campaigned for her hard, but the rest of this team like doesn't really excite me. But the problem that I always feel like find myself with, not the problem, maybe it's good that I, I find myself conflicted, is that like they don't they lose Pippi Eitel, who is really solid, good score, solid value, like we'll be challenging to to rebound from. And although they lose Delaney Rasmussen, although they lose Hannah Buchanan, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say that name. Um, and although they lose Jessa Hansen, the only real scorer from most of the season that they lost was Eitel. So they really don't lose a lot. They've got a lot of really promising young pieces. Stearns look solid. They kind of remind me of the Ole Miss women in the sense that like everyone kind of just needs to run well on the same day. And I don't think we saw that. Um, their postseason results were not great at the regional and national meets, but like there's just so much room for them to improve. And I, I just like O'Neill herself could chop off 30 points 
if she just runs to her full potential. So 20, 30 points maybe. So we'll see. Um, I, I struggle to see like why I would be pessimistic on this team, but maybe it's just like they don't have a ton of star power outside of O'Neal. Maybe that's it. Yeah, and I think that's it. I mean, because they're very much like Colorado State in terms of the amount of women that ran under 1620 this year on the track. I, I mean, they, they do bring back a lot of women who are coming off of good spring seasons who, like we said with Colorado State, if they can continue to take, take that step forward and supplement a true low stick in O'Neill, then that could be something that really shoots them up a lot further at NCAAs than we're expecting. Yeah, I... Like, I think that look, they're comfortably a top 25 team. Comfortably. There's no oh, question yeah. about that. I just don't know what their ceiling is. That's what that's what I'm struggling to figure out. And I don't think it's nearly as high as, like, some of the, maybe even the men's teams that we have in this same area of the rankings where you could see if, like, maybe one piece kind of takes a big step forward. You could see them in the top 10. It's harder to see that with the Northern Arizona women. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. Um, I don't really know if I have a whole lot more to say, but yeah, we, I like, we I like, I mean, they're not a bad team, but I like them. We so. can wrap it there. Um, Fifteen on the men's side is Alabama. Alabama sticking to the tried and true model that they've had over the last few years. Very strong top three. A lot of question marks for that fourth and fifth spot. Elliot Kip saying Victor Kiprock and Hillary Chariot lead the way. But again, the story of this team is going to be, can they find some decent scores in that fourth or fifth spot? And they don't have to be spectacular, but if they can just be top 150 in the team points, if they can just get someone to be in that area, then the ceiling for Alabama really escalates dramatically. So when we were ranking them, when we sat down, right, and we hadn't looked at anything yet, Ballpark. Where did you think you were? Go- we were going to rank Alabama. Um, I think I had them initially like. Oh, that's right. No, you 13. were really high. Yeah, yeah I had them thirteen. Like- I was, I was probably a little over my skis with with Alabama initially. But and like when you said that, I was like, ah, Ben, I don't know, man. Like, you know, he was re- you were really high on Harvard and, and Alabama, and I remember being like. I don't know, but like the more you like really dig into the numbers, I, I actually really struggle to see how Alabama's not a top 20 team. And I think it's extremely realistic. Actually, I think it's more probable than not that they're a top 15 team. I agree. Top, you know, I, I, it's, it's crazy because they just, they struggled last year and they just had so many depth issues. The, the difference is that we think their top three are going to be much more consistent and reliable. Mm-hmm. And we also think that this might be the best back end that they've ever had in terms of their support pieces. It's not amazing, but Wiggers is pretty good. Burian's pretty good. They return, you know, they've had some guys, Brady Grant, um, Harris from Toledo. There's some dudes. They just have more options. Like I, I think before, like they had maybe the same level of, of guys where they had, two, but they had two of those guys and they just really ho- had to put all their hope in those two guys to to come through but now they got four or five where they can feel comfortable saying at least one or two of these guys will have a good day they it's not as much pressure on their four or five guys to consistently run well they can have their four through seven and, and just hope that 
one of them pops at NCAAs. Yeah, and like I, and that's the thing. Like I, I remember talking to someone, being like, I don't know, man. Like all of their scoring is relying on just three guys, and they're like, okay. But if five guys were anywhere from eighty to one twenty, and then there was a massive drop off, are or do you want to rely on just three guys, or do you have to rely on five guys? And I was like, that's a really good point. <laughs> that's a yeah. really good point. And I, I can't believe we have them ranked at fifteen, but. By every metric, they belong here. And it's a, here's the thing. I predict they will lose to Tennessee and, Ar- and Arkansas at the SSCXE championships, but they will beat both teams at the national meet. Yeah, I, I think the bigger the field, the better Alabama is going to do. Correct. And, and that's that's their their whole entire argument between behind this ranking is once we get to NCAA with 250 runners, that's going to be where they their top three really provides as much value as they possibly can. I mean, they just need like they don't even they need one it's, guy. It's such a low bar. Like they they just need <laughs> yeah, like you said, it's just like and not not even top one fifty overall, just top one fifty in the team points, and that does wonders for them. So for anyone who's wondering what the math is like, let's suppose Alabama's top three, and we say this, we lay this out in the article. Let's suppose Alabama's top three at the national meet delivers, um, their their finishes correlate to the proper team points that we're expecting, right? Let's just say Alabama's top three runs as we're expecting. If Alabama's sixth and seventh runners DNF and their final two scores finish dead last in the overall results, they still finish what twentieth? Yeah, I think that's, that's insane. Right. That's like almost a worst case scenario for more than half of your lineup, like absolute worst case scenario, and they still finish top twenty. Like unbelievable! I can't believe that actually. And I mean, I brought this up with Tennessee, so I have to with Alabama. There, the margin of error, they don't have any when it comes to four through seven. Like, or they they have as much as they need for four through seven. It it really doesn't matter. Their floor is still going to be pretty high. But their margin of error for those top three guys is so small. Like they cannot mess up. If they yeah. if they slide pretty far or have a real bad day, like like Tennessee's top guys, this is the the, the team can't withstand that. It'll they'll shoot way back in the team team rankings. I was always super critical of this lineup structure. I was like, they have no depth. They have no depth, and yet. Every time I kept looking at the numbers, I'm like, I can't believe this actually works. I think they figured out how to, you know, with limited scholarships, uh, just make this work. Right. And it's a brilliant lineup combination. Let's not forget 2017, they had the Keegan Chalanga, um, uh, oh, the other Kip Kiprop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other Kiprop. They had a three-headed monster, arguably better than the three-headed monster they have now. It was. But their, yeah. their depth was like, worse. N- no noticeably worse than now. And they still finished 14th at the national meet. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Yep. That's the story. All right. Let's move to the Utah women. Uh, we have Emily Venters, Simone Plourd, Ariel Kalak, and uh, Barger coming back. Um, they do lose Kara Wool now from a team that ran well at NCAA's last year. Uh, what were your immediate reactions to the Utah women? Quick correction: they ran well at. Sorry, Nuttycom. yes, that's right. Yeah, Nuttycom. Yeah. Um, they did not run well at nationals, but um, 
20th at nationals last year. Yeah. 20th at nationals with two of their top scorers DNFing, which is actually pretty impressive. Pretty, all pretty good. For, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Again, the Alabama argument, you just need a few women to really step up. No, but anyways, um, I, I found myself really liking them. Like I talked to Mara, we had them ranked a little bit lower, not, not a ton. I was like, Hey, like, here's kind of how some of this shakes out. Like, what do you think? She's like, yeah, I, I think we can put them at 15 and 15 was kind of where we landed. Um, don't look at the national meet result, not indicative of their actual talent. They were clearly a top 10 team last fall, clearly a top 10 team. Ventures was a DNF at the national meet. Plord was a DNF at the national meet. Ventures was arguably their best runner last fall. She was third at the Pac-12 championships. We have a ranked top 30 in our rankings. Excuse me. I just burped into the mic. Sorry, Juan. Um, I don't even think I'm going to cut that either. Um, but Plord, and Plord's a really promising youngster. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I think her ceiling is maybe, maybe, maybe fringe All-American. Her ceiling this year, but we'll see. Keklak was solid. She was like fourth at Dellinger. She can replicate that. Kila Barger was, I think, top 16-ish at Pac-12s. There's pieces there. Like, you can really, you know, put together a really solid top four-ish, find a good enough five, and you're pretty much set to go. Are they going to be as good as last year? No, not after losing Bella Williams and Kara Wolnaw. But I, I, I still think there's enough firepower there. I still think I really like this team. Yeah, and this, this, they're, they're ones that had a solid track season, but it, it wasn't anything spectacular. We're really relying on what they've done in the past cross country seasons and, and hoping that they can continue doing that. Emily Venters obviously had a fantastic track season and, and someone that I think rightly as you said, is a almost a, a surefire All-American will be a great low stick. But where a lot of these women that we're talking about didn't necessarily have the great greatest track seasons, and, and you just hope that this summer they can get back to where they need to be to replace a lot of really strong women that are going out the door. Yeah, I still like just who they're bringing back. Like trying to balance, and we've I, well, listen, we had this whole conversation on the podcast before, right? Top 10 team throughout the regular season. You yep. did through Pac 12s. Um, you know, they were, you know, DNF for two of their four most important scores, and they still finished 20th. They lose two runners. They bring back pretty much everyone else. 15 seems fair. I, yep. I think it's a nice, really solid middle of the pack. Well deserved on last year. See what you can do this year. I don't know how if their ceiling is much higher than like 13, 14, but I think it's a fair and good spot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Let's go to 14th spot on the men's side, which is Portland. And I think the nicest thing I can say about Portland. So I, when I was doing the rankings and just trying to sort the teams out, I was trying to put together their top five, tops, maybe what their projected top five, top seven was. For Portland, and for some teams, I only got through four names, five names. For Portland, I got through like nine. And I was like, Mm -hmm. there is a great chance that the ninth guy on this list, who I I think was uh, Ahmad Sato, he could be absolutely in their top five. Like, they just have so many guys. Zach Kirk, Jonas Gersten, Bradley Pelican. they, They brought in Astonis Ruiz, Henry Mong. Like, they just have so much 
depth. And while they might not have that all American low stick, they supplement it with so many guys who are top hundred caliber. I think I counted 15. It's absurd. I'm not, I'm not even like, we didn't even touch on Jacob Kinsel yet. He yeah. ran sub 29 for 10 K at the end of this past spring two 10K efforts in a row, maybe not in a row, but like within quick succession of each other. I, I mean, I I don't honestly know if I've ever seen a team this deep. I, I really don't know. I mean, just the, the transfers themselves could be a top 20 team. Yes. Which is unbelievable. I don't know who the low stick's going to be. I don't know if they're even going to have a low stick. Who, who's, who, who is your prediction for who ends I, up being the I number one? I think it's Matt, it's Matt Strangio. Interesting. Yeah, I think he was way too good in high school. I think he was okay. way too good on the track recently. Yeah, and he flashed potential um, for I don't know, kind of like at certain like Dellinger, he flashed it. I think he was maybe a top scorer like one other time. Like I think he can be. It's just a matter of does he translate to the ten k? That's the question. Yeah, I think Kirk is probably the safe answer for me. I yeah, I, I my my just under the radar one though. I really like Astonis Ruiz. I, I think he could end up being that guy after the steeplechase season that he had. I, yeah. I and being with this Portland group and being with such for the first time in his collegiate career with this level of a team in day in day and out. I I think he has the most potential to to be that low stick out of anybody. Yeah, I I, I just I struggle to see how Portland's not competitive. Um, they're, they're just so deep. I don't even know who their low stick's going to be, but I don't even think it matters. That scenario of like 50 to 100 could all be realistic for, you know, X amount of these guys. It's crazy. But anyways, let's move on to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. What are your thoughts on when you saw Wisconsin? Yeah, I I I, I think they're solid. I, I am just... I, I don't really know what to think. They they bring back some solid names, but I'm not wowed by anybody. And I I don't feel like I should be saying that about the 14th, necessarily saying that about the 14th ranked team on our list. Well, I think you could say the same thing about Portland, That's right? true, yeah. I mean, like, I'm more wowed by just their overall depth yeah, like, than true. like anything true. else. I really like Wisconsin. I agree. I don't know who their low stick's going to be. Like, no one in particular super excites me. Maybe Shea Ruley. Uh, yeah. Shea, Shea Ruley. I think it's Shea Ruley. I, I don't know, though. I don't know who their front stick or who the low stick's going to be. They lose uh, Alyssa Nagman, uh, their top scorer throughout most of last year. Really solid. Decent contributor. Didn't really – like, she was never, like, a low stick – but if you take her out of the lineup from last year, they don't really lose that many points. They were deep enough through seven where they could really afford to have one or two people have a bad day. Um, and really no one ever did. That's the thing. Not only were they so deep, but they were so consistent throughout most of last fall. Maybe take out Louisville. But such an interesting program. I've never seen depth be so effective without having a true top 60 runner top 60 low stick. You know what I mean? So it was surprising. And, and uh, he, I'm going to say this incorrectly, so bear with me, but Hilligenthal was 83rd last year, I think has the potential of maybe being 
close to that top 60. Alexa Wesley, what was 98th at NCAA as a Cindy Crouch, 170th or 107th. Like they, they have women who have the experience at running at NCAAs and not running poorly. It, it's just not, they, they haven't had someone on this team that has been a top 50, top 60 level talent. But when you have three women who are in that top 110, that gives you a solid base and a very strong floor. And then when you can start pairing them with Ruley, with Gilman, like you add in enough depth pieces where they could potentially, if everybody has a solid date, look very, very similar to Portland where you have a lot of top 100 women. Well, not only that, but Crouch was 96 at the 2019 national meet, right? So she was better Stevie, Samantha Stevie, a little bit up and down, but she was 11th at the Big Ten Championships last fall. I mean, just again, like the fact that not everyone ran their absolute best on the same day, and yet they were still the 12th best team at the Mm -hmm. national meet last year. Although I I like to think that a lot of those women ran close to their best. Um, it, It was impressive. Like, I, I agree with you. Like on paper, they don't really excite me, but I, it's like you know, you see me end the article. I'm like, I don't really know if they need to. They just they're just good. If, they, if, they, if they're just solid, then that's just how it is. And I don't know. I, I like um, Coach. I'm gonna butcher her name, Crevoisin. Uh, uh, I don't. I'm so sorry, Coach. I have no idea. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, first year on, with with the new coach in the program will be interesting to see, but. I, I just think they're going to be solid, unexciting, but going to have a top half of the fin- finish at NCAA is almost guaranteed. So what's their floor? What's their ceiling? Let's just say as an overall ranking. They might have like the smallest window of anybody. I like, agree. I, I, I would be stunned to see them past 11, yep. but I would be stunned to see them go worse than probably 17th. Oh, like, I would have said 16. 16. Yeah, it's like yeah. a five, six. Like they are snack dab in yep. the middle of this field yep. with the potential of being a little worse, a little better. Yeah, I like them. I li- I mean, I, usually I don't like these teams that don't really have like a significant identity. But when their identity is just the fact that they're ne- they're never going to run poorly, that's good enough for me. I I like that. So I'll I'll take what they can uh, offer there. I, I think it I think it also needs to be said that at least on the men and and particularly I think on the women's side there was that there was a top a strong top ten I think that we felt pretty good about but somewhere along the ten to fifteen range for both the men and women there was a steep drop off in the quality of the teams and when you have a team like Wisconsin who you know what their runners look like at NCAA's you have a comfort level with their experience and and the group they have that just pushes them up way higher when you're comparing them to inexperienced teams that are a lot of just potential rather than actual results so far. The, the, uh, you know, me going through each team in our men's rankings, it was like, (laughs) Oh, I like this team. I like this team. I like this team. And then as soon as it hit the top outside of the top 10, I was like, I don't even know any, like I'm, I'm not confident at all about any of these teams. And that was just after the top 10. The women, it was like top 12, steep, steep drop off. And then no one else that, that I was like really that excited about. So we'll see. Um, I, I like Wisconsin. Like, again, I think, Wisconsin, I think I feel the safest about Wisconsin of all the teams that we ranked in this section. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Let's let's move on to 13, and we'll wrap it here with after the men and women teams. On the men's side, we have Air Force, who have a, a solid low stick, and Sam Gilman bring back so many guys. They have Nick Scheller, who I, I think we had in our, what was it, our honorable mention or just missed. Um, and then they have Sean Mason, Ryan Johnson, Luke Combs, Ethan Marshall. They, they just have such a solid group coming back that you feel comfortable with them. Like we were saying with Wisconsin, you just have a comfort level with them being a top half, uh, having a top half finish where you don't with a lot of these other teams in this group. Yeah. Scheller is really an exciting name. Like I'm, not convinced, but I have. I feel like we have good reason to believe that he could be an All American because he was seventh at Dellinger last year. He was nineteenth at Nuttycomb, which is really good, and then he was twenty fifth at Mountain West. And you're like, whoa, that's odd. He doesn't run at the Mountain Regional Championships, and then he's a DNS at the National Meet. I have no idea. I don't know anything about what went on. One has to imagine maybe he got injured. Who knows? I don't know. But the fact that the Air Force men placed 17th at the national meet last year without a top 50, top 60 runner is monumental. They ru- they lose uh, Scott Mason, I think it is. They lose Iandonis. And those are good names. Like Those are good, solid scores. But if you add Scheller into that mix, I mean, I struggle to see how this team – Yeah, I, I think it's a really good team. Like I, I think we ranked them fairly. And they were fifth at Nuttycomb last year. Do you know who they beat, Ben? They beat Oregon, Gonzaga, Michigan, Furman, Colorado State, Utah State, Boise State, Harvard, etc. And that's that's their that's their ceiling right there. And that's the that's the reason why we have them in thirteen. I think in a large part when it comes together, they like have top ten potential. Like like yep. fifth at Nettycomb is top ten potential, and the teams they beat that the way that they were running. It, it all lines up to a team that that has a serious chance of being a top ten contender, but they're and so like you said, it, the key seems to be Scheller because he was the difference maker at Nuttycomb and the the reason why they weren't nearly as high at NCAA's. Um, the recruiting class, very good. Multiple guys under nine, multiple guys under fifteen. I mean, there's a lot of fun names that they could just throw in there. And if, if one of them hits, I mean, we're looking at something really special. They've had great recruiting. Actually, last couple of years, I've yeah. actually, last few seasons, they've had some really good recruiting classes. I, I like this team a lot, a lot. And I'm really happy that we decided to bump them up because initially I think we had them at 17, right? But I think 13 is a really good spot for them. Very happy about where we got them at. Um, I think – they could be last year's Ole Miss women. I like that comparison. I, yeah. I the, the same kind of similar kind of structure. Yep. The same kind of potential. Yeah, I, I think that lines up perfectly. Love it. I'm glad you agree because we've disagreed a lot on this podcast. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right, we're ending it hopefully on a good note. Let's let's bring it home with the Washington women who were 13th on the women's side. They got. Haley Herberg coming back, Heisterman, Naomi Smith, Anna Gibson, Sophia O'Sullivan coming back, and then just a dynamic recruiting class coming in. Multiple women who have run under 10-10 in the 3,200. Um, 
some good cross-country performances, a lot of good milers. I mean, this is just a stacked group coming in. And you, and you look you look at the Washington's re- returning women, and while I don't focus as much on the women's side as I do with the men, I look at these names and I'm like, I recognize that name. I recognize that name. Uh, and mm-hmm. you just start going down the list. These All these women, like, I mean, Herberg, obviously, Heisterman, Anna Gibson, like, these are women that have put some put down some good performances over the their the length of their careers whether or not they're at a great spot in the last year or so that's a little bit questionable but they have such great pedigree and with the recruiting with the youth that's going to be coming in I, I I think they could be a really dynamic team that could have a very different top five almost every race it's just that, like they were actually not that great last fall but then we're like 11th at the national championships. And I think it'll be very easy for a lot of people to be like, all right, well, they lost their all American, right? I think they, they might be losing Sophie Cantine. I'm not sure. That's a, a pretty major one that we got to figure out. I think she's gone, but then you're like, you can, you can start finding yourself arguing with yourself. Like, well, Heisterman and Gibson were great. And Herberg, we know is a long distance, like beast. Right. And then like, there's pieces, you know, that this, the rest of this roster can develop pretty well. I don't know if that necessarily makes them a top 13 team. Like, I don't know how many of these, these returners I'm thinking, wow, this is a top 15 team. But this recruiting class is unbelievable. I mean, it it might be one of their best ones that I've seen since we started TSR. And they've had a top-ranked like recruiting class before. Like, this group is unbelievable just in terms of, yeah, they're all like super high-level elite cross-country recruits. But it feels like there's 72 of them. You know, and there's like five, but it's crazy. And like if that group alone, I'm convinced one of them will be an All-American. I don't know who, but I'm convinced one of them will. Yeah, I mean, you'd be happy getting one of these type of women in your recruiting class and then a few people below their caliber. But they just, I, I mean, very impressive. And I agree with you. I think at least one is going to be a like top fire scorer for them. And if you include, if that happens, then I think the ceiling for Washington really dramatically increases. And then if you can get two of them to be in that top five, I, I think you could be looking at something that uh, a situation where they could really surprise people and, and build on that 11th place finish from last year. I hate this ranking for them. Not because I think it's like, oh, wrong. I think it is a little aggressive, um, but I don't know if it's, much more than 14, 15. Like, I don't think it's like that far off, like where they should actually be ranked. And I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I hate to rely on youth and freshmen and inexperience, but like in the last years, on it, at least rely on some of the best high school runners of the, in the country. And like, that's, that's my thing. And it also like, look at last year's national meet results and yeah, they lose a few women, but I'm like, I, I have to believe that a lot of these other women are going to be significantly better. Gibson, Heisterman, even Herberg. Like, I, I am suddenly talking myself into like, yeah, I think Washington's ranked 13th in the country despite what some of their performances were last season. And I, I, I'm usually pretty good about like, you know, really looking at last year and, and translating it to this year. But for whatever reason, Washington just has me convinced. 
Yeah, I, I mean, again, their the X factor is their youth. If they don't get a boost from them, they're not they're not hitting this ranking, I think. But if if they do, and to what extent they they end up getting that boost, this is a team that could be really an interesting to watch because I I, I think there's someone that could start out the season and we're gonna be like ah yeah we we ranked them too high, we 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 definitely did. But by the end of the season, they could be like oh. Yeah, we, we called it all along. They 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 were thirteenth because I, I think this is a team that has the potential to really grow into the season as these freshmen get a few races under their legs. I, I think they could end up doing almost the same thing that they did last year, underwhelmed during the regular season and the postseason bust out in a big way. And I hate that. Because, yeah, because that's the most confusing team to rank. And I just so frustrating. I hate that because I always tell people don't just look at the national league results, <laughs> and yet Washington gives us zero. Like they, they completely counter that, um, which is just frustrating. But um, shout out to Washington. Like, it, listen, like if if you just do it, I can't argue against it. Like it's just one of those things. And um, if you're so good to the if if you if if you're able to just perform well enough to the point where you completely counter all of my past beliefs, I have to believe that you're pretty good. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a trend at some point. All right, let's wrap it there. This this was a great conversation, but man, yeah. we went long. Yeah, this is definitely one of our longer ones. Stored up over these last two weeks, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we missed we missed you on the last podcast. Gavin did great, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, so much content is on the site. Oh my gosh, so much content is on the site. Um, we've got like a handful of news out there, including more than just the Pete Watson hiring. So many rankings. Um, it's it's just crazy right now. D2, D3 stuff. Top 10 teams coming very soon. Um, if not uh, this next week, then probably the first week of September. And then, Ben, here we are. It's time, baby. It's time. We get into it. And we've got surprises coming in September. And uh, that's coming together very uh, soon. So, Stay tuned. Next few weeks, thinking like three weeks or so, two or three weeks, uh, you guys will have a better idea of what's going on. Ben, is there anything more you need to touch on? No, I, I just feel terrible for your keyboard because, boy, has it gotten some use over these last few weeks. My computer is just dying on me every single day. It's ugly. Like You should see how disgusting my keyboard is just from like the buildup of dirt over the, you know, the past few weeks. It's been... I think like some of the letters are like fading off actually. Um, but that's it. That's all I have. Hey, the, the, listeners, this is what Garrett's willing to do for you guys. Just absolutely mutilate his, his laptop for the fans. And, and you got to appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's really more cathartic than anything else, but uh, here we are, right? This, I can't believe this is what I do for a living. Anyways, um, Ben, let's, thank let's, you. let's wrap it there. We, 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 we'll we, we, we can keep talking for, for even longer. Yeah, I know. So, All right, that's all I got. All right, well, until next week, Garrett, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.